This is the WP Elevation Podcast, helping WordPress consultants elevate. G'day, Troy Dean here from WP Elevation and episode five of the WP Elevation Podcast. I have with me all the way from Tasmania, Jafe from Invado. Hey, Jafe, how are you? Hey, Troy. I'm good. How are you? Good, man. And um, just to clarify, we're in the same time zone, aren't we? I know, right? This is a bit of a novelty. It is a total novelty. Yeah. Like there is a bit of ocean that separates us from the mainland and Tasmania, but we're in the same time zone. Yeah. Yeah, I think we're, what, an hour's flight away from each other. Not very far. Yeah, it's very cool. I'm used to talking to people, you know, first thing in the morning and it's last thing at night for them, so it's kind of cool to be chilling in the afternoon. Same Um, deal. We're going to talk all things WordPress, Envato, Marketplaces, uh, but before we do that, I just want to announce a, a quick contest. We are sponsoring a $100 voucher to the Envato Marketplace, and we're going to give you details on how you can enter that competition a little bit later on the interview, so stick around for details, and you'll be, you might be able to pick up a $100 credit for the Envato Marketplace, which I'm sure will come in very handy. All right, Jafe, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Like like most kids, I, I went through quite a few different things that I kind of wanted to be, but the the one that stuck with me for the longest time was a forensic psychologist. Ah. I watched a bit of a show called Halifax FP, and I'm kind of a bit of a Rebecca Gibney fan when I was a kid, and I thought, yeah, forensic psychologist, that'd be great, but uh, it's not what happened. Did you have like a did you have like a, a, a schoolboy crush on Rebecca Gibney? I did a little bit, and yeah, it's yeah. kind of weird because she was, you know, what thirty years older than me or something. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I had the same crush. It's okay. <laughs> For those of you who are not in Australia, you probably won't know what we're talking about. Uh, Google Rebecca Gibney in Halifax FP. Uh, she was, uh, yeah, pretty cute uh, forensic psychologist. And it was kind of like a um, uh, one of those forensic cop shows, wasn't it? Yeah, it was almost, uh, I guess you'd say, a criminal minds kind of thing, but from the 90s, I guess it was. Yeah. Early 90s. Yeah. And um, so when did you discover the internet? Ah, oh, pretty early. I remember you know, Dad would bring home a computer every now and then from his work from, from about the age of seven. So I was on computers for quite a while. And as soon as we could get internet, we had it. Um, and uh, I started dabbling, I guess, in HTML and web stuff yeah, in early, early high school, which would have been mid-90s. Yep. And uh, do you remember the first time you saw the WordPress dashboard? Vaguely, I just I have just vague memories of kind of blue and a little bit of orange at some point. Yeah, is that like two point two or two point three or something? Yeah, I mean, I think I think I remember the switch. So it was one point one point seven, I think originally, and then like two point one, two point one. Ella Fitzgerald, that's the first one I remember. Right. Wow. And um, did were you in, was it like an instant thing where you thought, okay? here's something that I could actually make a career out of or did it take you a while to warm to it? Uh, it, was, it wasn't instant. Uh, I kind of dabbled with a little bit of blogging um, but I hadn't really thought about the concept at the time of using an off-the-shelf sort of platform as a base and it was only um, when I started working at a digital agency and I thought, this is kind of crazy building things from the ground up every time. We need something off the shelf. And I remembered having dabbled in blogging with WordPress. So we, we grabbed that. And I think that was, it must have been sometime in 2007 or so. And haven't really looked back since. It's just been the kind of 
every sort of job that I've had, if I've moved to a different agency or something before Envato, uh, yeah, it's like, okay, guys, we need to stop. You know, no more custom CMSs. That's craziness. Let's let's go with WordPress. Yeah. And uh, so were you, were you sort of dabbling with Joomla and Drupal and all, all the other CMSs, or did you just focus on WordPress once you found it? Uh, at at probably the second probably the second agency I worked at where they had a custom CMS in place, and I said, you know, how about we try to to have something off the shelf that we use as a base, something open source, and we actually did a project in. I think we we narrowed it down to the top three, of course, WordPress, Joomla, and Drupal. And uh, I chose WordPress, and the other guy who kind of had a say in this decision just chose Joomla, and so we did a client project in each, and we based our decision on the outcomes there, and probably the main influencing factor was actually how much training we did, or in, in WordPress's case, didn't have to do with our clients, um, and that, that brought him around all the way to WordPress, actually. Awesome. And he hasn't looked back since either. Awesome. <laughs> Converted. Um, okay, moving forward to today, and we're going to talk a little bit more about your role at Envato in a minute, but wh- how do you describe what you do in one sentence? What's your elevator pitch, so to speak? Oh, I guess, I guess you'd say my job is to ensure that there are great communication happening between uh, Envato and the WordPress community, both directions. Nice. Um, so what do you spend most of your time actually doing day to day? Ensuring that sort of uh, community needs uh, are being heard within Envato. So I spend a fair bit of time sort of looking around online blogs and through forums, uh, Twitter, lots of social media stuff, um, jumping into the, the discussions there, working out you know what people's thoughts are about Envato and then taking them back and um, making sure that people inside Envato understand those those needs and that we... Um, that we're always sort of having a positive influence, improving standards on ThemeForest, um, all that kind of stuff. And I, and I participate in uh, WordPress core development a little bit, uh, as much as I can fit it in amongst all the other stuff. But uh, it's good. I managed to managed to get in the credits of 3.4 and 3.5, so that was pretty that was pretty nice. And then we had a baby come along for 3.6, so I had to take a break. <laughs> so everything else went on the shelf. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. And uh, you work you work from home, yeah? Yeah, I do most of the time. Right. Yeah. So do you duck out to sort of co-working spaces when you get a bit of cabin fever, or? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah, and I I actually run the um, the local WordPress meetup group here in in Hobart, and uh, we have quite a strong sort of core web developer community around here, and there's a few different events, so it's nice to work all day at home and then get out in the evening and chat about web stuff to some mates. Cool. Uh, what do you, what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night? Right now, she's about <laughs> this long. Yeah. Uh, we, have a, we have a new baby and she's about five months old. Right. So Enough said, yeah. That's pretty much it, yeah. yeah. What's her name again? Her name's Isla. Isla. Nice. Um, so the next question is pretty obvious. What do you do when you're not working? <laughs> Well, I kind of, if you asked my wife, she'd say, what do you mean when he's not working? Uh, But uh, these days, uh, yeah, it's sort of just watching, watching Arlo and, um, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm also into a little bit of gardening when I can. Oh, cool. Yeah, I've got an aquaponics system sitting in the backyard waiting to be set up when summer comes around. 
Cool. Matt Madeira said the same thing, actually, uh, the other week when I interviewed him. He said, uh, my, my girlfriend would say that I work all the time, that I'm always working. And I think yeah. it was, uh, I think it was when I asked Yost that question, I think Yost kind of looked at me and said, you don't have kids, do you? I'm like, no. <laughs> He's like, because if you did, you wouldn't ask that question. <laughs> um, all right. Your role at Invato is WordPress evangelist, Yeah. Yeah. So, what what does that mean exactly? Uh, well, I guess I guess it's a lot of the stuff that I do day to day. We mentioned before, and uh, on top of that, there's the local meetup that I that I run, um, and Envato sponsors that. Envato um, sponsors a few WordPress meetups around the around the world, actually, and so sort of establishing that kind of stuff, attending those kinds of events on Envato's behalf. Um, I'll be at WordCamp. Europe and next month, not very long, not very long now, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Pressnomics after that, and uh, we'll have a few Envato staff there, so that'll be good. Um, so that's a that's a lot of a lot of what I'm doing is kind of you know monitoring social media, but just being involved in discussions that happen around WordPress. Okay, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, Envato in, in in a while, um, but I, I'm I just want to talk about <clears throat> having because. You are quite, um, you know, like you're the WordPress face of Invado. You're also uh, editor at WP Tuts Plus. What, what is it? How does having such a visible internet profile? Is that? I mean, there are pros and cons of that. How have you found that? Yeah, uh, mostly I've found that to be extremely positive. When I meet people in person, it means I'm not a complete stranger. You know, we've we've had some interaction online, and they they know my face and. Uh, it can be a little bit strange when you first meet someone and and you don't know anything about them. And so, what do you kind of talk about? Uh, and I, I found this helps get around that because people go, "Oh, I've seen you tweet about whatever," and then we can talk about that, whether it's WordPress related or whiskey or whatever else I'm <laughs> tweeting about. And uh, there's, you know, it also means people can find out a little bit about me before they before they meet me if they know they're going to meet me um, and that kind of thing. I went to a I went to a conference in London once and as I was walking up to the booth, a guy who I, I had no idea because his avatar on Twitter wasn't his face so I didn't know who he was but he just said, Jafe, I didn't recognize you without your hat on, which is funny considering how we started this call yeah. um, but it, it was great because we just had an instant rapport. So, so far, it's, it's just been fantastic. I haven't had any sort of negative sides to it although sometimes I Google myself and go... There's a lot of information there. Oh, oh well, it'll be fine. <laughs> what are you doing Googling yourself, Dave? Come on. <laughs> yeah, who doesn't? Come on. <laughs> the reason I ask that question is because a lot of a lot of a lot of WordPress consultants I talk to, they they, they you know they have the avatar that's like of their cat or you know of a cartoon character. They they are very private. They don't want to have such a public profile. They you know. Um, they uh, guard their and, and they protect their privacy. I'm a big advocate of being public and having a public profile because I think it helps you get connected and it helps you build your network and it's good positioning. Mm-hmm. So what, what are some of maybe some of the things to look out for or some of the pitfalls or rookie mistakes if you are going to take the mask off and put yourself out there? Yeah, well, I think it's good to have a little corner where, that you do keep to yourself a bit. Um, traditionally, I've kept Facebook to be mostly just friends and family um there's not really been not really been a need for me to open that up to sort of the wider 
wider community. I'm fairly careful about who I add on there and things like that. So I'm very much a, a kind of strong opinions held weekly kind of a guy. And so uh, I enjoy a good debate. And sometimes if I'm debating about politics and religion and stuff like that, that's the kind of stuff you want to have a debate face-to-face. You don't really want to talk about that stuff online too much. Too, too easy to misunderstand and and people can get quite um, impassioned about this, those kinds of discussions. So that, that kind of stuff I tend to try and steer away from as much as I can um, and just keep it to people that I do already know face-to-face quite well. Um, it's easier to make sure they're taking you the right way and stuff like that, yeah. Yeah, good advice. Um, now, I have a question here, uh, which obviously has been left in from the Brennan Dunn interview. You wrote a book called Double Your Freelance, right? Uh, please explain. So I know you didn't write that book, but if you did, <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk a little bit about freelancing in a moment. Uh, sorry, Brennan. Brennan's already answered that question in a previous episode. All right, let's talk about Envato. For those of you that have been living under a rock for the last five years, Envato is a marketplace um, owner of Theme Forest, Code Canyon, Audio Jungle, Video Hive. Um, I'm sure I'm missing out a, a, a bunch. And also publishers of the Tuts Plus series of websites, uh, PSD Tuts, WP Tuts Plus. I'm personally a huge fan of the Envato Marketplaces and the Tuts Plus. Is it Tuts Plus? Am I saying that right? You are. Right. Chutes, Tuts, Tomato, Tomato. I've been picked up in the past for saying Chutes, so I'm, I'm a convert now. I'm saying Tuts. Um, I'm a huge fan of... of what you guys do because for me what Envato does because for me it's about leveraging it's about uh, um, you know the supply and the demand as a consultant I can pull bits in from marketplaces and deliver a solution to a client and as a creator of something original I can put that up create it once put it up support it and sell it multiple times so it's a great leverage model so how did the job at Envato come about sure well originally uh my wife, Emily, and I had been living and working in the UK for a little while, um, probably the, the first half of 2010, and then we traveled around for a little bit, um, for about three months. And so I thought, well, travel can be fairly expensive if you, if you don't have a job at the time. So I thought, well, it'd be good to get a job I can do remotely. Um, and it just so happened that Invato had a support position available at the time, so I jumped in on that and... Uh, that was fantastic. I was able to, you know, wander around Paris during the day and then do a bit of support work from my balcony at night. And awesome. that worked really well. Um, so then when I got back to Australia, um, after a little while, we kind of we kind of changed from support and I moved towards the sort of uh, evangelist direction. I had a chat with Collis and realized there was a bit of a difference between the way we saw ourselves in Invato and the way the WordPress community saw us. And so I had some suggestions on how I could help um, be a positive influence on that. And that's basically when the evangelist role kicked off. Cool. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about that in, in a moment. But when you joined Invato, what was the uh, onboarding process like? Sure. Well, joining joining for support, being remote, um, I had a couple of interviews over Skype and and basically that that was it. I had an interview and they're just really assessing sort of what my level of experience was with working remote and and with doing support and I had actually done remote support for a web hosting company previously when I was freelancing so uh, that was sort of quite easy getting through there and the second interview was really just to say, yeah, you have the job and let's get some training organized and 
Yeah, yeah, it was actually a pretty easy process um, as far as remote goes. Hmm. And and what about the um, so the training? How, how did they then kind of induct you into the culture of Invado, if you like? Yeah, training was kind of uh, basically just a number of shifts working with some of the other remote people, so you get access to the various tools they have available, uh, including sort of the the social aspect of being able to chat with team members and being, becoming a part of the Invato team was really good. Everyone's just so friendly and welcoming and it was just really nice to be a part of a friendly, welcoming community online who, you know, they're into all the same kinds of things that you're into and that was really great to be, it felt like working with friends and that was sort of, yeah, it was a really good experience. And uh, what are the what are the the kind of I don't know if there are, but if if there are, what are the core values that Invado as an organisation has that you kind of had to adopt or that you found yourself you know thinking about? Yeah, yeah. At the time, there weren't uh, values sort of written down, um, but during the time that I've been with Invato, that they, they have been developed and actually on the Invato.com site now, so you can check them out. But oh, cool. There's, there are six six main main values. When the community succeeds, we succeed. The right people in the right environment, telling it like it is. A focus on results, not just the bottom line though, and a fair go. And and they're all values that that I can get on board with. And, and even the process of creating those values was a very company wide inclusive sort of a thing. You know, Collis being the CEO of the company and having quite a number of staff actually had one-on-one meetings with every single staff member to kind of help him work through what these core values were that represented the company and how we operate. Wow, that's remarkable. That's in, <laughs> that's inspiring. Yeah. Um, so you you were you were kind of in the WordPress community before you moved to Invado, before you started working with Invado. What was that process like of kind of introducing yourself to the WordPress community? Is hey, I'm you know I'm now working with Invado. Yeah, yeah, I was. I, I uh, had been in the WordPress community for a little while and I spoke at WordCamp Melbourne and WordCamp Gold Coast in 2011 and that's probably where I first met you at one of yeah. those actually. Yep. Yeah. And uh, it, it, was, it was actually a really easy process. It was just fantastic to be joining the Invato team in, in the capacity of being an evangelist um, and getting to participate even more in the WordPress community sort of on behalf of Envato, so not just doing you know, freelance WordPress development and participating in the WordPress community where I could. This is actually a job where my job is just to participate in the community, basically. So it was fantastic, and it's been really well received. Great. Um, let's come back to marketplaces in a minute. You're the editor of WP Tuts Plus, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. uh, which is a fabulous resource for anyone uh, starting out or continuing their journey as a WordPress developer. What makes a good article for WP Tuts Plus? Well, if you've, uh, if you've seen any of Tom McFarlane's tutorials in particular, uh, I always use them as a good example of, of how to do it. Um, they're good in terms of the way he sets up um, what he's going to cover, kind of gives a bit of a rationale for why, and then gives a practical example or two or three or four or five and then and then kind of a bit of a wrap-up, and that's really good. I mean, the best tutorials that we have are ones that fill a niche that doesn't really have much content available online already. Um, 
when Tom did his complete guide to the settings API, it, it's such a it's such a fundamental sort of thing that a WordPress developer needs to know. And we have, I think it's an eight-part series on that that's quite a comprehensive going over of the settings API. And, and I love tutorials that we can publish that basically cover those fundamentals thoroughly. Mm, nice one. And I like that um, that kind of framework of, you know, what it is you're going to learn, why this is important. Uh, here are some examples. Here's how to do it and then conclude. That's a nice framework. Mm. Cool. Um, okay, let's talk about marketplaces for a minute. Why do you think marketplaces are so popular? It's it's kind of becomes like a hub, right? It's It's a platform that buyers come to from one side and sellers come to from the other side and they get to exchange stuff for money. Uh, it's you know how could that not be great? Uh, buyers have somewhere where they have a plethora of choice, and sellers have an established customer base that they can sell their wares to. It's just I think that's what makes it popular. Basically, it's not any one person. You're not kind of if you go to a a shop where they're selling their own products. Um, it's just not quite the same in terms of. If you want something that's slightly different or slightly out of the scope of what those guys normally work on, you have to go to a different shop. It's nice to go to one place and you can just kind of trawl through everything that they have that may or may not fit your needs. Like a kind of like a real life marketplace, like you would go to the markets and bingo, yeah, 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 yeah. awesome. Um, Brad, I got an email from Brad Towersnard uh, from Delicious Brains this morning saying that he has officially shut down the WP App Store. Um, I saw that. Yeah, but I want to talk about this for a minute because it astounds me that personally that there isn't a app store. I, I for me it just makes so much commercial sense. I, I'm still scratching my head as to why it hasn't happened yet. Do you think there will ever be a WP app store? And if so, how would that affect Envato, or Theme Forest particularly, or Code Canyon? Yeah, yeah. I, so there has, as you say, the WP app store. Uh, was a plugin that was around by Brad, um, and yeah, they just they just didn't seem to have any huge success. And Brad wrote a blog post kind of explaining why why he felt that it hadn't worked out. Um, I, I think it's interesting. He just didn't seem to reach that kind of um, tipping point with with content. I think, and I think a, a huge part of it is probably to do with the restrictions around plugins on WordPress.org. Mm. Um, you know, having to uh, having to market it, having to show people that you want to sell with you that there's there's an audience out there um, that they can sell to uh, is a difficult thing if you're not able to get onto the WordPress.org directory. So maybe if there was an official one, it'd take off because mm. um, it might be free from some of those restrictions. But it's hard to say what effect it would have. Uh, there are already other marketplaces out there. Um, so Envato is not the not the only choice for premium themes and plugins. So I, I don't know that much would change, but it would be certainly interesting to see. Do you, in your personal opinion, do you think we'll ever see an official app store ship with WordPress core? I don't think we'll see one ship with WordPress core because it seems to me to be at odds with the the sort of values that that those guys have. Um, and there's already, I mean, in some ways they might argue that there's already one of those in there and it's just for all free stuff, right? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't think there would ever be one that shipped with Core, but it would be interesting if uh, Automatic did something like make the WordPress.com premium themes available somehow to self-hosted installs through Jetpack or something like that. Mm. And um, would Invado ever release a, a, a plug-in that would allow you to surf and search and purchase from the Invado marketplace from within WordPress? That would be interesting. Um, as far as I know, there are no concrete plans to do that at, at the moment, but it would be interesting. Mm, you can have that one, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right, let's talk about GPL. Uh, first of all, why do you think it's important? Why do you think, well, do you think GPL is important? And if so, why do you think it's important? It's hugely important. Uh, without the GPL, they're, they're just, they just wouldn't have been a WordPress, right? And, you know, there's so many people who build their sort of businesses around WordPress now. It's hard to imagine a world without it. Um, I guess they could have been uh, some sort of product that would be functionally similar to WordPress, but the GPL is really what's made everything scale to the size that it has with WordPress. Um, it powers one in five websites basically now, right? Mm. And version 3.5 had something like was it 46, over 46 million downloads. That's insane. That's mm. just so much, such massive scale. And without people being able to create um, free products, premium products, services, all that stuff uh, around around the platform, I just don't see how it could ever have gotten to a scale like that. And not being, if it wasn't open source, it just it just wouldn't have allowed that kind of level. You look at the open source CMSs, or sorry, the closed source CMSs out there <clears throat> now, and they just don't have anywhere near their level of take-up of the open source ones because of that. And there's something about being able to um, take take the code and uh, contribute back to it, repurpose it, um, you know, do whatever you like with it and contribute back to it that I, I think it, I think that the, the amount of developers, theme developers and plugin developers contributing to WordPress and contributing to Core, without the GPL, that, that evolution of the product itself just wouldn't have been possible. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also meant that WordPress can, to some extent, evolve a little outside of the business that's behind it. So while there's automatic that's behind WordPress in some fashion, WordPress.org and the actual core team develop not not so much according to the needs of automatic, but to the needs of WordPress users. Mm. And if it was a proprietary platform, I just don't see how that would happen. Mm. So let's. Uh, I just want to talk a little bit about um, the, a little bit about the way that you handle criticism of the Envato marketplace, in particular theme for us, because I've personally been astounded at how bloody diplomatic you are and how good you are at at you know walking into a bushfire and just calming everyone down. So I want to talk about this a, a little bit as a developer. But first of all, I just want to touch on this as a developer. You must see themes coming through ThemeForest all the time that sell and make a lot of money, and they might not be coded to WordPress best practices. How do you, how does that, you know, how do, how do, how do, how do you reconcile that, or how does that make you feel? Yeah, well, I think, uh, I mean, as as is evidenced by some recent announcements that we've made about uh, the way we're changing our review standards, um, this is something that we're constantly thinking of and trying to improve is the the standards and we're trying to ensure that our our library of themes is 
evolving with the standards themselves. So we actually just had a pretty big update to our um, theme submission requirements mm-hmm. um, lately and uh, they just come into effect as of the beginning of this month. Um, and that's the first time that we've had those requirements publicly available as well. Um, and so we've gotten feedback from our authors and feedback from the wider community and it's overall been very positive. Um, the, also, the practices themselves are constantly evolving. So some of the themes that are on Theme Forest have been there for you know, a number of years mm. and the best practices when they were first submitted aren't the same best practices that we're trying to hit to now, right? So yeah. um, part of the reasoning that we actually list which version of WordPress the theme is compatible on the page is because of that. Not everyone is, is running the latest, the very latest version of WordPress. Um, you know, there's over 50% of people aren't running WordPress 3.6 yet, according to WordPress.org stats. Sure. So uh, some of it is just that, you know, the standards are evolving and then going back to a theme that was good at the time and may not meet today's standards but was up to standard at the time, uh, going back and sort of redeveloping that theme that's, that's an interesting process and I think it's that's something that's been debated about in these kinds of um, marketplaces, even the, the Apple App Store, right? They talk about what happens when there's, a, there's an app that's kind of version one's there and people uh, have bought it but there's no ongoing income from that other than new purchases. Everyone else just gets an update for free. So it's mm. kind of interesting concept of going back and rewriting something to be a version 2 or whatever for when you know that however many thousand people have already bought it, get that update for free. Mm. So <clears throat> I, I kind of get this best practices thing, but I, I know there's a lot of people who don't, and I've been you know reading comments on blogs and, and getting a, a kind of a sense that there's a, a, a large portion of theme users who don't care about best practices, they just want a result. But as a developer mm. of themes and plugins, why should, I mean, you know, what's wrong with a theme developer just going, well, I don't care about best practices. I'm just going to make a theme that I know is popular. It's going to be full of short codes. Um, I'm not going to, you know, use the WordPress development architecture properly, but I don't care because I'm going to make, you know, a few thousand bucks out of selling it on Theme Forest anyway. How do you, what would you say to a theme developer like that? What have I said to theme developers like that? <laughs> uh, it's basically the the idea that you you are not the only person in the ecosystem, and you know whoever buys your theme is going to at some point if you, if you don't ap- apply these best practices at some point they're going to install a plugin, and that plugin is not going to or well the theme isn't going to be friendly to the plugin, and then you know what happens who supports that and you know it may be that the customer then goes to the plugin guy and says, this plugin doesn't work with my theme. And the plugin guy is like, well, your theme is is causing the problem. And then that person's not going to buy a theme from you again. I think it just makes a business sense that you want your, whatever product you're making to work in the ecosystem you're making it for. Right. And that's gold. And I didn't, I didn't, that's exactly what I was hoping you would say. And I didn't actually, can you just tell everyone, I didn't prompt you to say that. That was not scripted. (laughs) Not at all. But the point is, 
Because, you know, we've all seen plugin developers go postal on Twitter about how the fact that they're supporting all these support tickets because someone's using a, a crappy theme that doesn't work with their plugin and it's not their fault and it's the theme's fault. But over and above that, it actually makes business sense, doesn't it, to make sure your product plays nice with all of the other products in the ecosystem. Exactly. It'll, it'll reduce your support uh, requirements and it means that your product can then work in harmony with more products in the ecosystem, which is good for business. Yeah, I mean, if someone gets a plugin, they're not getting it because they just randomly wanted to install a plugin, right? They want that particular, mm. particular functionality. And if it doesn't work with your theme, then why would they continue to use your theme? Yeah. Okay, let's talk about how you handle criticism because, I, as I said, I think you do it very well and I'm, I'm going to pick your brain here. Um, I'm basically after some free consulting here, Jay. So uh, <laughs> um, how do you handle criticism from the WordPress community about ThemeForest particularly? I, most of the time when someone has a criticism, firstly, you, you've got to remember that it's, it's not directed at you as a person. It's not me. It's not me being criticized, so I don't need to take it personally. Um, also, most people just want to be sure that their feedback is being heard. Um, you know, it's often, oftentimes when people get really upset about things and are, you know, getting quite passionate about it on Twitter or things like that, it's usually because they've tried some other avenue and they just haven't, they haven't heard, been heard or they haven't gotten a satisfactory response. So most of it is about me being able to connect those people with the right people within the company to ensure that their feedback is, is being taken on and being put, put in the right places. Um, I also think it's important, there's a, I think it's called Hanlon's Razor, it's one of those kind of catchphrases, um, philosophical dividing points where they say never attribute to malice what can be easily explained by, and they say stupidity but I think perhaps ignorance is a better, a better term, it's like someone's not being malicious, it's just that they may not know information that you know. Wow, that's extremely philosophical. How, how do you... How do you manage to keep a level head in the heat of the moment and and take that philosophical approach? How do you not just how do you resist the temptation to just get in there and slam back? I'm I'm a pretty we my wife and I joke about this. Uh, she she reckons if I was any more laid back, I would be in a coma. <laughs> so I, I think possibly some of it is is just that it's just right. that I kind of don't take anything particularly too extreme. Right. So you've just got a good personality. You've got the perfect personality to do your job, right? Yeah, perhaps. Right. Um, let's. I just want to talk about this. This. Um, you know, I don't. I personally don't kind of buy into the WordPress drama thing that goes on, but everyone kind of would know about this. And I just want to talk to you about this and get your take on it. How you know you're at Invado, you're trying to do everything right, and I know that. I mean, I spoke to Collis last year at uh, Pressnomics. I know that you guys are doing, trying to do everything right in terms of bringing in theme review, um, theme submission review and best practices. But you still, it still must hurt when you hear things like that, you know, anyone who sells themes on ThemeForest can't speak at a WordCamp. That still must kind of prod the, the nerves a bit. How do, you, how do you handle that kind of approach? Well, it's actually, actually pretty cool now to, to be able to say that um, we have hundreds of developers and designers for WordPress on ThemeForest and Code Canyon, and they've all got something valuable to add to the WordPress community. And now that we have implemented the 100% GPL option, 
those guys that do want to speak at WordCamps can choose to select that option and they're actually now allowed to speak at WordCamps. So in that sense, we've kind of, it's been resolved, I guess you would say, you know, that we kind of blew up a little bit earlier this year with um, Jake Caputo in particular and I know that he was then able to go on and, and still participate in the WordCamp that he'd been planning to. So that's a pretty excellent result there, I think. Mm. And was that was that a real you know was that like a, a the real catalyst for you guys to to get that part of the business sorted or was it the idea the idea behind this is just that we want our authors to have choice and we feel like at the time initially we thought that by by allowing our authors to not have to be 100% GPL if they didn't want to be was giving them that choice. And if they wanted to be 100% GPL, there are plenty of other places that they could do that if, if that's what they wanted to do. Um, and uh, sort of as part of as part of Collis's posts that he did at the time about you know thinking about this issue and then what we were going to do about it, uh, he sort of changed tack a little and feels that actually... It, now in the current climate that we we feel that by giving our authors the choice to list 100% GPL on ThemeForest as well is is the right way to go and then they can they can still be on ThemeForest and still participate in these WordCamps if that's what they want to do. Mm. And it's, uh, I read uh, one of the posts from Collis. In fact, I think I commented on one of his posts because or I commented on one of his comments on someone else's post. Um, yeah. But I, I was really impressed with the leadership that Collis showed during that time, he just, you know, it's like he just kept his head down and and stayed true to his beliefs, and he didn't buy into the, the um, you know, everyone was hyperventilating about it at the time, and Collis just didn't buy into that at all. He just yeah. stayed true and just uh, spoke his truth, and it really shone through as someone who wasn't buying into the drama, who was just uh, being completely transparent. Yep, exactly. Collis is actually... It's amazing like that and uh, I guess in some ways we, you were talking about me being un, un, a bit unflappable and Collis is very much that kind of guy as well and so I guess I kind of, it's a bit of a what would Collis do uh, when I come across a situation like that. Yeah, awesome. Um, all right, cool. Uh, enough about Invado. Um for those of you that don't know, we have a business accelerator program called WP Elevation where we help WordPress consultants build better businesses, essentially. So here's a series of quick questions about uh, as a freelancer or a WordPress consultant, how you elevate yourself and differentiate yourself from the pack. So what's the number one thing any freelancer or consultant absolutely needs to know? I think this is probably slightly... Um not the kind of answer you might expect, but I would say it's important to remember, and this is something I need to tell myself fairly regularly, that family trumps work. Having freelanced in the past and being a bit of a workaholic kind of a person, I know that it can be really hard to sort of tear yourself away from the computer at times and you might feel like if you're not at the computer, then you're not making money and your business depends on you and you depend on it. Um, but if at the end of the day, if your family aren't happy and you know you're not sort of having a positive life outside of your business, yeah, it's just kind of it kind of defeats the purpose for me. Yeah, good advice. Um, that's great advice. Uh, my fiance is not going to be allowed to watch this interview because um, <laughs> I just I can hear it now for the next six months. But Jafe said family trumps work. <laughs> 
Thanks, Jay. Uh, what's the best thing you've ever done to find new customers? Uh, get active on Twitter. Uh, so I've, I've freelanced, I freelanced from um, sometime in 08 until pretty much when I joined Invato, I had certain varying amounts of freelancing. And for over a year there, I was 100% freelance and my work came exclusively through making contacts on Twitter, basically being helpful when I came across problems with jQuery or WordPress and I just kind of got clients that way and, you know, my family and I lived off of, off of that for a year. Awesome. How do you stop competing on price? I, I think, and I know that you're, you're certainly not a fan of having an hourly rate, um, but I, at the time when I was freelancing, I had an hourly rate and I personally found that just having a confidence in your hourly rate and knowing that um, my hourly rate was a fair price for the service that I offered, I found most people just accepted it. Um, if anyone questioned it, I just kind of explained, well, you know, I, I've got a lot of experience in this area. You're welcome to research me, which is another benefit of having a visible internet profile. And uh, yeah, otherwise, I'd be happy to recommend a junior developer for them. And most of them kind of just came around at that point. That's great positioning, man. That's, <laughs> I, that's, I'd be happy to recommend a junior developer for you. Because frankly, that's what I want. I've got a business. I need a new website. Yeah, I really want a junior developer working on it for me, Jay. <laughs> that's gold. That's, that's, all, that's really good. Um, but what essentially you're saying is that, you know, at some point you've got to say, you know what, I'm happy to walk away from this because it's just not going to be worth my while. Yeah, exactly. And I think most people have kind of come across the adage that something like 20% of your clients make up 80% of your problems and they tend to be the 20% that are the lowest paying. Yeah. And, and uh, I found that. And so it was kind of going, no, look, I, I know my time is worth more than that and they're going to take up more time than they're paying for anyway. So Yeah. Great. Any tips on writing better proposals or getting better conversions out of proposals? Uh, I like to have a Skype conversation with a client if possible before writing a proposal. Mm -hmm. um, often my clients would come to me through email or Twitter or something like that and having a Skype conversation uh, before writing a proposal was super useful. It basically meant I had a chance to learn some of the nuanced issues in, in the particular project, You know, the kind of thing that someone isn't going to necessarily think to put in an email but as a developer is important to know um, and even just kind of having a little bit of that person-to-person -person time and removing the anonymity of yourself from being an internet sort of contact. Mm. So it's, it's not just this guy I found on Twitter, it's Jay if we had a conversation. Yeah, awesome. Uh, favorite tool or system for CRM? Uh, I tried quite a few uh, and I settled on a uh, free agent for my accounting which has a certain level of uh, CRM in it yep. and um, using Help Scout for ticketing stuff mm -hmm. and Google Contacts and just the combination of those three allowed me to kind of manage that stuff. Cool. Uh, what's the best way to keep a project and a client on track? Frequent friendly communication and I have learned this the hard way so many times that it kind of, I 
felt like I fit the definition of an idiot, you know, trying the same thing, expecting different results. It's like, <laughs> no, no, man, you have to actually have all this communication. It really helps. So I basically changed the way I worked rather than being just uh, a guy who did things for them on the internet. I kind of made it that we were a team. Mm. So we're both working on the project. We both have an interest in its success. Uh, we need to keep. I need to keep them updated on you know if I come across any issues and what I'm working on at the time, if I need anything from them, uh, all that stuff. So that there's no surprises. If something changes or if the project is starting to change course a little, uh, we're both aware of it sooner rather than later. Um, it also means that things are things are friendly. You have to be friendly if you're in regular contact with someone and yeah. there's a bit of social pressure on both of you then to uh, get the things done you agree to get done. Yeah, that's great. Um, Brian Dunn, who is in episode one of this podcast, he, he built a project management system called PlanScope and that built into it is the, the, um, the daily roundup email that goes to your clients to tell them what you've worked on that day and how the project has developed and evolved. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I know. I actually had a brief look at that after your your last episode. Mm. I I also quite like the um, Infinite WP, which I use for managing sort of multiple client WordPress installs, mm. and that kind of has a reporting feature in it too that lets you kind of do a quick report of what you've done this month on um, on that website, all the things you've updated, security checks, uptime, Google Analytics summaries, stuff like that. That's quite good. Yep. Nice. Uh, what's the uh, so here we go? Any ideas for? I'll just go through my questions and make sure I ask them in the right order. Any ideas for getting referrals from your existing network? Yeah. So when I was using Twitter to find clients, I had a policy that was basically: if I can fix your problem within thirty minutes, it's free. And by free, I mean it was actually kind of pay with a tweet. So nice. if I if which I only asked. If they hadn't already tweeted, often I found that um, most people, it was kind of, they, they have a problem that's on, and they tweet about it, I get in touch with them, we start working together and during that time, they would tweet something about, oh my goodness, Jake is helping me with this, this is awesome and so I wouldn't need to. But if I got the issue resolved within 30 minutes and they'd be like, oh, what do I owe you for that? And I'm like, no, nothing, that's fine, less than 30 minutes on the house, just tweet your friends about it. Wow. And that, that was actually really good for that. That's awesome. That's like guerrilla marketing on steroids, man. That's great. <laughs> it, it was pretty successful. I was happy with how that went, yeah. That's great. Um, what's the number one thing you can do to differentiate yourself as a freelancer? Be friendly and take all criticism as just constructive feedback. Uh, so again, to that, that Hanlon's Razor thing, Never attribute to malice what can be adequately explained by ignorance. <laughs> uh, a lot of people take feedback poorly because they kind of assume it's a criticism mm. and often it's just feedback and sometimes it's actually just that the person doesn't have all the information. Yeah, that's great. Um, all right, let's talk about the future for a second. What's the future for Envato look like? Well, Envato, uh, we talked about the values before. We also have kind of a, a mission statement, which is to help people learn and earn online. So everything that we do at Envato, that's that's our objective. Um, we have the obviously the marketplaces. Um, we have the Tarts Network. And now we have a, a kind of a services marketplace in Microlancer as well. Mm. 
And so the future of Envato is really just bolstering those things so that they are really the place to go when you want to learn about web development and then as you progress and you want to make money by you know, selling your services or your products based around web, and web development and design. Cool. Um, given new players uh, in, the, in the field uh, in terms of, I'm talking about uh, in terms of publishing content, so given that there are new players like Ghost uh, you know, um, coming on board, John O'Nolan has, has just uh, launched Ghost, what's the future of WordPress itself look like to you? Yeah, it's it's interesting when you see new players like Ghost come in and uh, I remember watching uh, Matt Mullenweg's State of the Word keynote in WordCamp San Francisco this year. I was on the live stream, couldn't make it in person, uh, but my T-shirt actually arrived today, so that was pretty cool. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, I missed out on the first when I was actually there in 2012, but um, he was talking about that fact that WordPress isn't People kind of talk about WordPress as progressing from being a blog to being a CMS to being an application platform. And his point was that rather than that, it's actually able to cater to all of those things depending on what you need. And he kind of used a visual analogy of Lego blocks and you're kind of bolting on the bits that you want. So I think WordPress will just continue to grow and I see more and more people turning to it as a base for whatever they're doing on the web, whether it's whether it is just a simple blog or whether they're building a web app. You know, there's human made have happy tables and WP Remote and things like that built on WordPress. It's it's pretty exciting. How long do you reckon uh, we've got until the uh, until the bubble bursts? Yeah, I, it's it's hard to know. I mean, it looks to me from the stats that things are starting to plateau a little, um, but. It's just such a, we've kind of hit a bit of a tipping point some time ago, I think, and things are kind of, it's just getting really exciting. Um, as, as far as the building apps on it goes, that's really only just started, hasn't mm. it? So yeah. seeing how that goes and what that does, I mean, if, if it turned into something similar like Ruby on Rails, you know, Ruby on Rails for app development did huge things and, and using WordPress as a base for apps kind of opens that avenue up to many devs who already know WordPress and can now kind of go, ooh, I can extend this further than I kind of had been thinking I could. Mm. Um, but having new players like Ghost is pretty exciting. I mean, I'm good friends with John and it's been a pretty incredible thing to watch uh, John and Hannah going from having an idea, which we'd kind of chatted about just on the side here and there for over a year before the Kickstarter even and mm. then the Kickstarter went crazy and then they've just had their launch weekend last weekend, I think it was, and yeah. for, um, to the Kickstarter backers and public launch pretty soon. Yeah. yeah, new players are always exciting but I think there's um I think there's plenty of space for everyone. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, let's talk about, uh, just before we wrap up, let's talk about this contest we're running. We are giving away a $100 voucher for uh, Invado for you to uh, put on your Envato account and, and go shopping at the Envato marketplaces. We haven't quite worked out how that's going to happen yet, but we'll figure it out. Um, so what we are wanting to know here is, uh, I can't remember what we spoke about, but I'm just going to make this up. Under the video, uh, let's uh, get you to leave um, a comment and tell us 
what's the one thing that you would like to buy at an Envato marketplace that you can't currently buy? So what's the one thing that you would like to buy at the Envato marketplace that currently you cannot get your hands on for whatever reason? Maybe they haven't thought of it yet. Um, I'll get Jafe to come back in a week after the interview and go through the comments and award the winner. How's that sound? Good? Sounds good to me. Awesome. Uh, what's the number one piece of advice you would give any entrepreneur trying to build their own business online? So I've been, I, I quite like collecting quotes that summarize my thought on a particular issue and I've been trying to find a way to get a recently discovered one into this. <laughs> and, and so my, this one is, uh, in the beginner's mind there are many possibilities and in the expert's mind there are few, which is by Shunryu Suzuki who's a Zen master. So it's kind of a Zen kind of thing but the basic idea is that the beginner thinks that there's all these different ways you can approach a thing, but once you get to be an expert, you know that only one of those is actually the way to get where you want to go, right? Uh, for entrepreneurs, I actually think in some ways this should be flipped on its head. If, if you don't know before you start that something can't be done, maybe you'll be the first one to do it. Hmm. I know that when uh, I, watched, I watched an interview with uh, Collis and Cyan, uh, from early, early days of Envato mm. when they're talking about getting bootstrapped. And, and one of the things Collis said in that was that one of the good things about starting up this business was not knowing some things because they didn't know that you weren't supposed to do things this way or that you weren't supposed to do things that way or, or what scary things that they might come across during the process. And if they had known, then they might not have done it. Yeah. And so it was just kind of, yeah, I think... I think that's if you're trying to build your own business, it's better sometimes to to not know some of the things that are ahead, so that you can kind of forge your own way. Mm, nice, good advice. It's not what I was expecting at all, and not anything I've heard that take at all before. But it is. It's kind of like the ignorance is there's you know ignorance is bliss, and ignorance is kind of powerful that you just forge ahead with youthful exuberance, and uh, too much experience can actually make you a bit jaded, can't it? Yeah, it can and also things change over time. So something, I mean, especially in our industry, something that mm. may not have been possible last year might be possible now. Mm. Yeah, true. Um, all right, Jafe, where can people reach out to you online? At Jafe, J-A-P-H on Twitter. That's easily the best way to get hold of me. Beautiful. Uh, and finally, who would you like me to interview and why? Can I say two people? They're both from the same place. Sure. I would love to see an interview with Tom Wilmot and Noel Tock oh, about yeah. the two sides of human made because they are an agency but they also have products such services. And um, I think Noel is going to be at WordCamp. They'll be at WordCamp Europe, won't they? Yeah, I think they'll both be there. Yeah. yeah, great. All right, Tom and Noel, I'm going to hit you up at WordCamp Europe and I might get you in a Google Hangout and interview you both at the same time. That'd be good. Amazing. Cool. Hey, Jay, thanks very much for participating in the WP Elevation podcast. Really appreciate you taking some time to chat with us. Thanks, Troy. Cheers.